What's up, dancers and dance lovers? This is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. I'm Taylor Bradley. And I'm Alex Yankovic. We host an open conversation about the dance entertainment industry, striving to educate and inspire. Brought to you by Inside Dance Magazine. Find us on social media at Inside Dance Podcast. Or write to us at InsideDancePodcast at gmail.com. Let's Let's take take it from from the the top. top. You kick us off today. (gasps) Yes, I get to kick us off today. We're leaving that Kickball in there, change. by the way. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Kickball uh, change it all. <laughs> I love it. Uh, welcome everybody to Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. We are so happy. What's that up? We are so happy you are joining us today, and we are feeling that summer vibe. And I was uh, just reading through our little column that we we're posting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Last week I'm like summer, and you're like it's still spring, Taylor. And now I, I let you start it, and you're like it's summer now. <laughs> now it's summer. Now that it's June, I am fully like when June happens. But you're in Vegas though, because and summer, it's summer 300 days of the year. Yeah, exactly. So I'm finally, you know, feeling the summer vibes. But I was looking through our column that we're gonna have for this June issue, or, or I think it might be the next issue. And I was thinking about how downloading this podcast is a great way to really spend your time on your long summer road trips or your long (laughs) summer flight destinations. So please download it. And a huge thank you to everybody who has been writing reviews. We absolutely appreciate it more than we could possibly say. And just a reminder that every, (laughs) this is why I don't do this. This is why I don't do how I love that Alex is like the, welcome to our podcast. Shame, listen to us more. (laughs) (laughs) I am here. Listen to us more. I'm here to bring the listening shame. Uh, (laughs) people. Um, but yes, keep writing those reviews because every month we are doing a drawing for you to get some free inside dance merch. So Ooh. it's absolutely worth it. And we send those packages out. People get them in the mail. This is Real not- people like you, not paid actors, <laughs> not paid actors. This is this is not a scam. It's very much real. So make sure you're listening as well as enjoying it and also writing us your questions. Um, right to- <laughs> Listen and enjoy it. You must. <laughs> We're giving you all homework. This yeah, what, I love that's what it. we need more in this. World. It's summer, no school. Here's your inside dance homework. Yes. Um, no, but to, to follow on that, we have so many. Um, we've had a really amazing season so far, and it's hard to believe that we're already double digits into season four. Um, later this episode, we're joined by a huge mentor of Alex and mine, Miss um, Tammy Dyke Compton, who is uh, a professor of a professor she professes jazz a professor of so many things at the university of arizona um and she talks about her experience um growing up um at a small studio in arizona um getting accepted and going to juilliard a little small school in new york i'm sure maybe you've heard of um also uh her kind of finding her own way and her own path through concert dance through musical theater she was on the um first national tour of fame um she was uh in one of the dancers for twyla tharp's moving out which was like so, so huge for the dance world as far as bringing concert dance into the traditional theater Broadway world. Um, And she's just a ray of sunshine, you guys. So uh, be sure to check out her interview. Um, And then we've also got some, we've got some good stuff on deck, uh, which I don't want to give any spoilers, but we have some really five-star rock star, all the stars in the universe um, guests coming up. So uh, be sure to keep checking back. And the best yes. way to do that is rate, review, and subscribe. So you get that little notification yes. on your phone or smart device. 
Yes. But, um, and I was going to say, along oh. with our conversation that we're going to talk about today, if you are a seasoned or pre-professional dancer, this episode with Tammy is for you because mm-hmm. she truly talks about how you can be good and versatile and great at all styles of dance. You don't have to pick one lane and only stick to that your entire life. You have multiple avenues and you should take pride in all of your talents and not try to put yourself into a box. Fully. And you used um, a word that is so fantastic for our segue into our intro spiel, which is happy pride, everyone, everyone out there. Uh, Pride is a feeling. It's a state of being. It's a state of acceptance that is year round. But I'm so happy that we get to take this month and celebrate you for whoever you are. Um, And uh, I think it's also a Tammy's a perfect guest to have on because later we talk about really her finding her pride and who she was and who she identified as in as a dancer. Um, But I wanted to make sure that I just took a moment to throw some rainbow glitter in the air and say, we love you and you're loved. And if nobody's told you today, you are so unique and you're so special in what you bring to the table. So don't forget that. Um, So happy pride, everyone. Happy Pride. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, your experiences being a dancer and sort of how that's evolved and how, you know, Pride has affected you as a person and you as a, a dancer? Totally. Yeah. Um, well, we can take it on more of a surface level. Well, yeah. Surface isn't really the right word, but um, as a gay man, you know, I'm a proud gay man, 29 years young, and um, I grew up in circumstances um, where dance wasn't really accepted in my culture. It was um, very much macho men, uh, you know, feminine women. And that's kind of where it was black and white. And so I had this intrinsic guilt and shame of my identity as a dancer. You know, I remember being in high school being like, oh, I'm a performer because suddenly that makes it more palatable for people to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really was a defense mechanism because I would rather... I'd rather dilute it in conversation than say I'm a dancer because suddenly with that, they would slap on labels and it would feel uh, inferior, shameful, and like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I had this real internal uh, trauma and struggle that I dealt with. which led me to do so much because I felt like, well, if I can't take pride and ownership as a dancer, I'll do everything else. I'll be student body vice president. Mm-hmm. I'll be leader of this club. I'll be the one that's in charge of all the social gatherings. In college, I was like, I will help refound a fraternity. I'll be on the executive board for a dancer's consort. Like I kept my plate so full in order to validate me because I was not personally okay with saying I'm a dancer because with that came, you know, all every negative slur that you can think of, which really, really is hard in your late teens, early twenties when you're trying to figure yourself out. So, um, I, I'm so grateful to, um, be surrounded um, now after, you know, kind of getting out of the South, no shame on the South, no shame on the South. It provided me with so many great things, but um, it was just not an environment where I felt like I could truthfully be who I was. So going to college, surrounding myself with all these different people from all different aspects of the world really opened my eyes and um, allowed me to realize like, you're more than what you do. Um, You're who you are. And uh, dance really, really was the one constant through my life. Like no questions asked, this is who I am. But because of my circumstances and where I was in life, it really allowed me to 
um, be okay with that and fall in love with it. And once there is no greater feeling in the world than accepting who you are and accepting what you love. And then you can take the energy that you were using to dilute, to cover up, to, to, to put on this facade. You can use that energy and recycle it back into your craft and your passion and um, living your honest, truthful self. And so uh, that's on a broader spectrum what pride means to me as a dancer. Um, I'm curious too, I want to flip the script out and know uh, your experience with that as far as identifying as a dancer growing up in Southern California as a, a young female. Uh, how was that for you? Yeah, well, first I want to say I'm so proud of you and a lot of like our close friend groups. It's so amazing to see, to know you. To have known you for as long as I've known you and see you really come into yourself. It's so, it makes me so happy when I can, you know, we could sit here 10 years later of knowing each other and have you, you know, really feel so solid in who you are. And there's nothing better than seeing your friends just enjoy like exactly who they are and doing exactly what they want because that's what, that's how we should live our lives is always mm-hmm. being our, being exactly who we are. And yeah, so I'm so proud of you and oh, thank, thank, you, thank you for sharing all of that because I know there's other people who will relate to it so much. Um, but I mean, very different experience. I definitely, I feel like I never had that, uh, intense shame. I definitely switched dancer to performer and I still do that. And it's mm-hmm. mainly just because people might be uneducated and I'm not having any, um, any shame on, on, um, on strippers or anything like that. But every time you say a dancer, everyone just assumes that you pole dance or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and again, it's just like, Oh no, that's not what I do. This is my training is Mm -hmm. ballet, modern jazz. So I always do feel that thing where I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm a performer and Uh an entertainer. So I definitely feel like I always have to cover it up with words like that just to make everyone's social skills and interactions easier. Um, And I feel like that goes into just how we market ourselves too, anyway, as dancers. But yeah, I feel like I always, I had a really great uh, supportive group of friends and uh, everyone was like, yeah, Alex dances. And that's what, that's her personality trait. And so I, I feel like I was very blessed and lucky um, to have that growing up. And still, I think what's nice now is, you know, back in the day, people are like, what are you going to do with dance? Like what, uh, what on Mm -hmm. earth is that going to bring you? What kind of career are you going to have? And now being where I'm at in my life now, everyone's like, thank God you kept dancing. Like, yeah, like it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, you grew up dancing and then you go pro. It's like Mm -hmm. exactly how people in football play football and then they go pro. And it's really that similar feeling, but yeah, I, I feel so lucky to be surrounded by you and, and see all the growth that you've had over, over the last couple of years. And it just, I feel so lucky to be around people who just are have becoming themselves and using pride. Oh my God. <laughs> using um, pride to do that makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of goes to show um, that we all dance. Dance is already to the public eye, kind of a, um, I don't want to say taboo, career. But for me, it was, okay, you're a male dancer, you're gay, you're feminine, you're not, I had labels slapped on me. And same thing for you as a girl, it's like, oh, I'm a dancer. And it's like, you have all of these assumptions and things that, and it's, it, it takes, I think a long time, um, or at least in my case, um, and also uh, from what you just said a little bit in your case to own up to that. And, and there's a way to present it 
that is socially palatable, but there's a difference between that and using it to cover up your insecurities exactly. of who you Thank really you. are. Yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. really great way to explain that 100%. No, totally. Um, but it, what's even cooler is that there's a identity within an identity, um, of who you are as a dancer. And we talk about, um, the importance of versatility at lengths on this episode, but it can be confusing as well too. You know, I think back to our interview with Mary where you're like, I'm a performer, but don't make me sing, you know, and right, taking right. pride in, uh, in, in what you bring to the table. Um, but also not being afraid to venture out and try new things, which is why I love this generation. I love seeing kind of in the dance competition circuit, like ballroom becoming a thing. People, yes. ballet is cool again. People are getting into ballet. Yes. Whereas before it was like, well, I'm a jazz dancer and, you know, and, and what, so, so there's a lot more exposure. Yeah. Um, it can be overwhelming then when you're like, I have to be good at everything because I have to, I, it's just the expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I've, I've found a lot of pride, um, in doing what brings me joy and focusing mainly on that, continuing to cross train, continuing to push yourself. Uh, but also knowing, like, I, I remember in college in the university setting, it was like, well, you need to be an artist. You need to be a contemporary mover and elicit these feelings and Gaga technique and my, and I, which I completely agree. It is so important. But it's not who I am. And right. I've come to realize that, that I'm an entertainer. I love to perform. I love to make people smile and bring joy, which may seem in the dance world as a little bit more superficial. Um, but there's no shame in that. No. And it's the exact same metaphor we just made about dancers to public as I think we can make dancers within dancer community. Exactly. Um, and, and an example that I'll give is I always, as a professional dancer, you know, I would, uh, you, you see atmosphere dancers, go-go's models, um, you know, like in the nightclubs and at the pool parties and stuff. And I remember always like being like, I want to do that, but I'm like, yeah. but I'm a professional. I'm better than that. I, I didn't get my four-year degree to just get up and like move my arms or shake my butt and all that. And let me tell you, it is one of my favorite jobs in the world now because I finally was like, you know what? What do I have to lose? What? Why not? It's an opportunity that I'm getting paid to dance. And what was just a monetary thing before is now like my escape, my outlet, my I'm not one to improv in a dark room. It's just not my love language with dance, right. but put on a good DJ and I will and go to town. I will be that guy at the wedding. And um, I really owned up with that. And I... Um, I don't feel bad for not being the the deeply rooted contemporary mover, not to say I never will be, but at this stage in my life, I'm accepting who I am as a dancer and owning it. And it's that same thing. I'm not sitting here going, oh, I should be taking so-and-so's contemporary class or oh, I should be in ballet. I take it when it serves me. And then I'm enjoying the relationship I have with dance. Exactly. Oh, I identify. So sorry. I just talked for a no, full was... motion picture feature film there. No, that was uh, amazing. I'm out of time, but. I, what, what <laughs> thoughts go? I, well, first of all, I know like from being your friend, how much pure joy it brings you. And again, like, why are we passing up opportunities that bring us joy? I don't know. That's insane. Um, but I wanted to bring back a little bit from Matt, uh, Linity's interview. We talked about mm -hmm. like vibrating at your, your highest vibration. And I think when you're doing stuff, you're doing things that you're good at. Uh, I remember taking Jackie Slight, another guest we've had, taking uh, Jackie's class, she said, if you're good at something, uh, 
lean into that. Like oh, yeah. too much of the too much of the time we're like, oh, we're good at this. I need to be better at something else. It's like, nope, you're good at this. You should lean into it and take advantage of it and you know, take pride in things you're good at and you vibrate at a higher frequency when you're doing the things that you are good at and that you care about care about and you take pleasure in doing. Because they make you feel good. Because it, yeah, exactly. Like, like, like there's a skill set. It's empowering. And I even think to people who are not on a professional level, who just take class recreationally and they're just like, oh, I just do this for fun. Or I take beginner hip hop at Millennium. And I have to give a shout out to Daryl Rivera, another person we've had on the podcast today. Like, watch your head. (laughs) Watch your heads, guys, because it's it's raining (laughs) all the names that we're dropping, Um, which... Pleasant reminder to go back and check out all the episodes you may or may not have heard thus far. He had a, a guy who I believe he was 76 <gasps> years old. I my Dancing eyes Dan. He, I, I just got chills thinking about it again because this man is 76 years old. First of all, he's really good. He's for amazing. Like keeping up with everyone. But even if he was terrible, I that, I, I'm like, hell yes to you, Dan, because you are going into something that would maybe that would be uncomfortable for a lot of people. I mean, I get uncomfortable taking class with like 18 year olds. So I can't imagine the age difference when you're in a room full of adults, 20, 30, and you're, you've got more than double their, um, years in age and he didn't care. He was just dancing. And then I, you know, you go scroll through the comments and they're like, Oh, he takes classes at, um, the LVAC, which is kind of like lifetime or gold's gym. Um, and he was like, like uh, people were like, everyone knows him. That's Dance and Dan. And I'm like, my heart is so full because, again, I think that we get so caught up in the career success, monetary value of things at times that we forget to have fun. And I'm like, I need to be like Dan. I yes. need to. I don't need to. Sorry, there's no direct comparison. I aspire to be like Dan because there's nothing. There's no there's he's not getting anything in return from this there's no stressors on his plate he's just doing it because he loves it yes and physical release is is what everyone needs a little bit more of not from like a i'm not talking from a workout standpoint i'm talking from like you feeling your feelings and and really letting that out of your body it's very much a real thing and we have to cut the shame around it no matter what level you're in every like it we should be so happy that everyone is like living a physical life and going to take dance class if it's their first time or if it's their hundredth time and it's just something that makes their day that hour brighter i mean yeah that i saw that video and i was on the verge of tears it was amazing yeah i love love people like that and then it goes back to the point of i i do it selfishly for myself as a dance i mean um but I also do it because I know it brings joy to other people. And that's exactly what Dan did. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I, my heart's fulfilled. I'm inspired and I need to, again, not need, I want to go get in there and move my body and just, just continue vibrating and bringing that energy for the love of who you are as a dancer, who you are as a person and knowing that we are all so lucky to have this art form, um, to express and to inspire. And it's at our fingertips. It's at our access whenever we want it. I love it. Oh gosh. I got chills again. Happy pride y'all. Happy pride. Um, yay. Well, let's, um, let's PK PK lame duck. By the way, lame duck is my favorite term in all of ballet terminology. I have Um, a, I do a double lame duck pirouette on the rake in our show and I'm do you praying. say a prayer every I'm time? I'm praying for it every time I do it. It's wow. On the left side. 
Goodbye. Like, that's why. <laughs> that on the right side, I'd be like, oh yeah. It went from hey, bad to worse. That's it's the left. It's really it's not the rake. It's the left side. <laughs> yeah, on yeah. The rake. That's like okay. Good luck, Alex. <laughs> yeah, you'd be fine. You'd be yeah, fine. But, um, let's PK PK lame duck on the left side. Over to our interview with Miss Tammy Dyke Compton. Stick around. <laughs> excited to have someone who is one of both Taylor and I's biggest inspirations. I drop her name all the time working in the professional world. And anytime I am having any doubt about myself or my career, I always think back to this woman. So let's please welcome Miss Tammy Dyke Compton to the podcast. I feel so lucky to have you here. And this is amazing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what an intro. Thank you so much, Alex. I think the same for both of you. Oh my gosh, I think about you guys all the time. So. Oh, thanks, so Tammy. You know, <clears throat> we're so excited to have you on. And um, I, 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 you, we've had you on our list for so long so to get long. on because um, you're such a good example of like uh, a dancer that has done a little bit of everything that's then transitioned into um a collegiate educator position. And so um, I'm just so excited to have you on and pick your brain and um, learn more about your story. Cause it's fun too. even Alex and I always have guests on and we're like, oh yeah, we know them. And then we'll like be five minutes into our intro. And we're like, I had no idea that that's where you came from, what you did or so um, I'm excited to, um, Get the E True Hollywood story that is also uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. and I but I was researching <laughs> your stuff again because obviously we know you, but it's always good to go back because sometimes when you read someone's bio or they give you a quick quick rundown of your teacher, they do you know three things that they did. Reading through your biography again, I was mind blown, and I was just getting so excited because you are someone who uh, really covers all parts of the industry like concert dance commercial dance all of it and so we're excited to dive in so to get our listeners to know you even better where are you from and what's your first memory of dance how did you get into it yeah well I'm originally from Phoenix Arizona and I danced at a dance studio called Stage Door Dance Center and my first teacher, her name was Dan Granis. Um, she's an amazing woman and definitely um, taught me everything I know about dance and to be the teacher I am. Like she really um, put in me to really care about each student deeply and um, on a personal level and not just see them as like a professional dancer, but really getting into um, how to support them as a human being. And so she kind of, you know, was my my through and through of dance all through high school. But my very first memory of dance was dancing the baby bunny blues. And <laughs> it was a little blue, like leotard that had a bunny tail, which I thought was so awesome. And they sprayed it with glitter, which of was course. cooler. But um, my first memory of dance class with Dan is always getting those stickers on my tap shoes at the end of class, which yes. is the part of tap. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about stickers that I think are like just always going to be exciting? Like at age two, you got you you get them on your tap shoes, and still at like thirty, I'm like, ooh, a sticker. This is fun. It's I used to put them I on my face. Absolutely, I, I don't want them on my tap shoes. I want them on my face. That sounds good <laughs> for your skin. Yeah, <laughs> when I taught in Canada, um, they put the stickers on the bottom of the tap. You know, like on the actual tap. 
to make the student be able to like try to scrape off the, the sticker. So by the end of class, whoever like scraped their, their sticker off the tap, they got another sticker for their shirt. So because like sometimes it's hard for them to find the tap and make the sounds. And so the more you scrape your foot, it, it, it works. Really I don't works, teach so tap, but I'm writing that kids. down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, amazing. we're ordering stickers right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Um, so, um, Tammy, beyond um, beyond dancing at a studio, um, or I guess I should say, uh, what was your dance studio experience? Was it more um, competitive performance? Was it more concert conservatory? What what environment did you grow up in? Yeah. So. Um, Stage Door is definitely like a competition dance studio. And like I said, Jan was my main um, teacher along with her daughters. Um, but she also had a huge partnership with Michael Rooney, um, who's a choreographer in LA. And he actually came um, while I was in high school. He lived in Phoenix for about three years. And so I was like his assistant for like three years while he was like our main teacher um, in, uh, in um, uh, Arizona. But as a kid, I used to audition um, in LA and for like commercial jobs, and I did uh, like some commercial work um, as as a younger kid. But I also had this side of me that always wanted to get better in ballet, and like had this thing about technique. Like I had this crazy passion about technique, which you know a lot of times in comp competition world, it's like you know they just want to you know get the really hot choreography and the style, yes. and it's not so much about the technique. So I always trained at a ballet school as well. So I also studied at Phoenix School of Ballet on, um, in addition to my dance studio. Um, I started teaching really super young. I, I started assisting Jan at like age 12. And then I had my own classes with my age 15. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my, you know, up, upbringing before I went to college. I had this like competition training, competition experience, but then also commercial work. I did a few gigs, you know, growing up, but then I had this like, craving for concert dance but I didn't know the word concert dance yet I hadn't right. like experienced that though vocabulary even seen anything other than like you know the Nutcracker you know going to see Arizona Ballet um I uh my teacher Jan she pushed me to go to a summer program called Perry Mansfield when I was 16 and I ended up going there for the summer and that's where I first heard of concert dance. And this is a performing arts camp in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which now I'm my husband and I are the directors of. But um, I met some people that were going to Juilliard at that time. And I was like 16 and they, they told me you should audition for Juilliard. I said, what is that? Where is that? What is it? And what do you do there? And so I learned about it and I was like, yeah, I think I might do that. So, <laughs> so I ended up by when my senior year I auditioned and ended up going to Juilliard. So. I there's so many things I want to touch on. I love that you naturally had the love to want to be better at ballet. I wish I had had that natural love rather than it being like Alex. <laughs> you need to go back and figure this out <laughs> because you're really missing out. Um, but I will say summer programs for dancers out there who are trying to fill up their summer. Summer programs are some of the best ways to meet people outside of your circle and realize that, you know, it isn't just your studio. Your studio can be so amazing and offer you so much, but it's so good to sprinkle in those summer experiences. I feel like that's where I had, you know, kind of the most exposure to that. But I also wanted to say, I love when we have 
other dancers and artists we speak to talk about how they maybe didn't know about a place first, like not knowing about Juilliard. And then they ended up going there. I think that's always a lovely attitude to have just to be open to these possibilities. It doesn't mean you need to be like researching every last detail of it, just be open to it. And then it's something that, you know, absolutely I'm sure changed your life. Super important. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, I, I, would have applied for other schools. I got really sick my senior year of um, high school, ended up being in the hospital, had surgery. And so when it came time to applying for schools, I really didn't get any applications in except for Juilliard. So that was the only school I applied for. But yeah, it it definitely, that summer program opened up my eyes to collegiate dance. Like, what is it like in academia? What is dance in academia? Because growing up in Arizona, you're so close to California. You're so drawn to this. Be like, I want to move to LA when I'm 18. I'm going to dance Janet Jackson and that's my career, (laughs) you know, which could have happened. Maybe, I don't know, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I had that craving to like, there's more, more that I wanted to give to my technique and also to my training. Absolutely. And I feel like now maybe it's just because I'm not 18 anymore, but I feel like, the generationally, I feel like it's a little bit more shifted back in the sense that I feel like back in the day, I agree. It was like, you either go to school or you're going to LA. There's no in between. Right. But now I feel like there's so many more options. There's so many more um, study programs. I just feel like the dancers that I see booking and working in LA, aside from the veterans that have, that are always there and consistently booked, I'm seeing a little bit older faces and it's, it's not so much that need of like, I need to be there right now. Cause when I'm 20, they forget mm-hmm. who I am type of a thing, you know, uh, which is crazy. Cause I, I, I had that mentality as well. And I had, I, I feel like a lot of dancers do growing up from like the era of watching. So you think you can dance and all of that. It's like um, it's, it's, I guess, refreshing to know that there are so many more options and to echo what you said, Alex, that being open to different things, um, and realizing that dance is so much more than probably what you know or what you're exposed to um, in your youth education. So um, I want to know, Tammy, though, what let's talk about Juilliard. How was that experience for you? How was it going, moving from Phoenix to living in Manhattan um, and going to school there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a parent now, I think about that. My kids <laughs> in New York at age 18. I'm like, how did my parents let me go? Because I'm not letting my kids move out of my house. Like, yeah. No way. Um, I honestly, I, I was kind of that kind of kid that was always just in my own thing, always dancing. As long as I'm dancing, I'm happy. And I was like at home. So it didn't matter where I lived or how far apart it was from my family. I was dancing. And that's what was making, you know, that brought me joy in my life. So um I didn't even think about it. Not, no, I wasn't scared at all. Just like moved to New York City um, at age 18. And uh, um, yeah, it was the most amazing experience. Juilliard really was about, I was there during the direction, um, Benjamin Hart Carvey was the director. Um, and then I left school for two years and then I went back. And while I went back, that's when Hart Carvey passed away and then Larry Rhodes took over. So I kind of had the experience of like how it transitioned. Um, but uh, Juilliard was really about breaking you down, tearing down those walls of who you were, who you thought you were, who you were going to be, and um, rebuilding uh, yourself. Mm. So, you know, uh, when I went to Juilliard, I had never really had modern technique before or any kind of contemporary, you know, um, concert dance contemporary um, experience. And so that was all new to me. And I also went in there, I felt... Um, 
like, you know, they called me the, my, the nickname of all of us that were came from competition schools. We were jazz bunnies. That's what they called us, little jazzarinas. Um, and so I always felt like I wasn't as good as all the ballet people that came from like ballet schools that went to Herod or, you know, like all these other conservatories. And here I am from this dance studio, stage door dance center and, you know, a jazz arena. Um, but really, it really uh, broke down everything I was. It didn't throw away what I what I came from kept it but just kept continued to add to it and kept building um new foundations uh but I'm a completely different dancer from the training there and then also after one year of school I had I, I don't know if you know this but freshman year in college is pretty tough <laughs> a, lot people, a lot of people might think oh my gosh I don't know if I made the right decision this is the right school for me do I want to dance or maybe I don't want to be a dancer maybe I want to be a doctor um so I went through this stage of like well maybe I want to do musical theater and maybe I need a transfer and because I was in New York and Broadway was so big I was like I think I want to do that so I had gone to our director at that time um Benjamin Hardcarby and was like I think I want to do Broadway I think I need a transfer because I had no vocal experience and he was like you know he'd called NYU, called some other schools, tried to get me in last minute, but it was too late. And so I said, I think I'm going to take the leave. And my parents said, well, as long as you get a job, you can leave school. And so I, that day, like I went and auditioned for the New York City Knicks dancers. Right. And it was a crazy cattle call. Like just like the news was there. It was just crazy. <laughs> um, and I ended up getting that job that day. I was like, okay, I got a job. Parents, can I, can I leave? And they said, yes. Yeah. So and then two weeks later after that, I ended up getting um, uh, seeing the musical. And I was just about to start my first rehearsal with Nick. And I decided to go on tour with Fame the Musical. Um, but then during that time, after um, Fame touring with them for two years, growing up, learning a lot of lessons, like um, on the road, I really found that I wanted to be a concert dancer. And like, yes, I loved Broadway, but I really had still had that craving, Alex, for that training, that ballet training. And like, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that I could be more and I wanted to continue to search and be more. Um, and so then I had to re-audition to go back to Juilliard, got back in, and then I got my money's worth of those last three years. <laughs> yes. Like every class I wanted to be there, I knew why I was there. I knew I needed to make changes. I took corrections and I just like continued to just like keep building um, stronger and stronger within myself as an artist. So. And you probably still had such a new appreciation for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and the other thing that's really great about Juilliard is like you're, you're immersed in the link, like Lincoln center, you're yeah. immersed in the arts, like this like place. So you could go see shows and performances and you can go see, you know, dance companies and, you can collaborate with musicians and there's, you know, there's actors and there's so much collaboration where it's like, you're, you're not just like training to be a dancer, you're training to be this artist that can like support the art community and push the art form forward. So it was really great to be in that environment. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's so inspiring too, because I, I feel like Taylor and I both feel this, feel this. I feel like every dancer feels this, that it's really hard to find where you not necessarily belong, but where your strengths are highlighted the most. And it, it's so difficult to really find that, especially when you have a passion for different things. It's really, you want to like put yourself in a box or other people put you in that box. And you remind me that, you know, just be, again, open to those opportunities and see what takes you and what is for you and not trying to be like so stubborn of like, I am only a jazz dancer and that's all I'm going to be. Like, it's so healthy 
to allow yourself to be accepted into other, other groups. I feel like I need to, I remind myself of that daily, daily, especially like post-college. You're dancing with Jessica Lang and then you're choreographing and you're taking on different, you know, not just as a performer, all of you guys are doing, you're, you're both doing such incredible things, like keeping those doors open. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) I just want to circle back to the fact I'm not going to let this get away that Tammy was like, oh, Juilliard. Okay. I guess I'll go. Gets in. Decides. So she's like, I want to do musical theater. Can I transfer? No, it's too late. Okay. Get a job. Books job. First try. Uh, two weeks later. Sorry. I booked a musical theater job that I was trying to get to school into. And don't, anyways, yes, I just, exactly. And then you're like, you know what? I've grown up. I'm ready to come back to school now. It's amazing. I, I love that. <laughs> it's, it's uh, a roller coaster, but it's also like so, such a a fun story and it's it's really is like that in itself is a full circle of yeah. like commercial musical theater concert yeah exactly. i know i know i mean it definitely like my parents were not so happy with me especially like when like, even when i like here i was like on this national tour you know first national tour and i was like i'm gonna leave the tour they're like what they're like what you just got there so, i'm gonna go back to school you know yeah. like i constantly put them on this thing but i think what got me through is like just trusting my art form trusting my me as an artist and knowing that like i have the work ethic to work hard and to accomplish the things i want um and if they don't if they don't like come to life there's always another option that that comes up you know right so, you know just being patience is another thing too. patience timing and i think that ties in kind of what you're saying alex purpose of like what are my strengths or what brings me the most joy at this phase of my life because i think that's going to change too you know like you're a different dancer you have different passions you can still be passionate about dance at 18 but it's like what i was passionate about necessarily uh then is different than what it is now you know um as as i found myself like towards the end of my college career really becoming like Oh, I want to get, I like, I want to finesse my technique. I, I, you know, I, I want to be in the best athletic shape that I can. Whereas now I'm like, I like to dance to feel good. It's nice to roll on the right. floor sometimes, you know, to go, just right. to break up sometimes the monotony of, of, um, consistent shows and choreography. But, um, speaking of shows, I want to use this chance to pivot because Tammy, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this and I'm really curious to know about your experience working with Twyla Tharp that entire audition process and being a part of the, was it the original cast of Moving Out? It was the first national. First, first national. national. Mm-hmm. First so national yeah, I, let's dive into that. <laughs> yeah. So um, working for Twilight was like a dream of mine. Like that was one of the choreographers I really wanted to work for. Um, and I, um, I actually, like, the moving out, the Broadway show was, like, already going, and she had won her Tony, and she was just going to start to cast the first national Broadway show, but I had just torn my ACL, and I was had knee surgery, and so I went through that whole journey, my senior year at Juilliard, not being able to audition or book a gig your senior year, um, and I was like, well, that show was already cast, I'm not going to have that opportunity, maybe if they ever have re- replacements, right, so... In the fall, I had finally rehabbed, um, and uh, they posted that they needed immediate replacements. People weren't taking their contracts or, you know, because I think, like, the tour had been postponed for some reason. And so I went to that national, that that big call, that big audition, and um, huge cattle call. Like, 800 people showed up that day, and just, like, just crazy. Um, and I ended up getting uh, kept that whole day and then got a call back the next day. 
Um, and that's when Twyla Sharp was there at the callback. Um, she, uh, they also had called uh, the guys there too, because we were doing partnering. But she, you know, she's like the tiniest person, <laughs> but just like so big, so large, like her personality, her energy, and just like, you can just feel the the expectation of what she wants from her dancers. Like, you know, like always give more and always give more and more. And like, um, you just, you have that in you. You want to just keep giving, like, there's always more to give for her when she's in the room. But um, yeah, so I made it to that second callback and then they had us do partnering. And that's where I met my husband, Chris. Um, Chris and I both were partnered up with two other dancers. And, you know, they had done a few more cuts and then Twyla's like, can you two dance together? And that's when she paired Chris and I together. So we always like give thanks to Twyla's art for introducing us together because that's how we met. We were friends first before we started dating. But yeah, that it was it was it was really funny. But um, the rehearsal process with Twyla, we rehearsed in New York City for the tour um, and she was there the whole time the the, um, show was uh, set. Um, But yeah, she just. Um, I know you've worked with choreographers that just have had like such high standards and expectations. And it, it's that like, you know, uh, there's like a few of us always be like, am I going to be fired tomorrow? Like, did I work <laughs> yeah. hard enough? Did she see me working hard? I hope she saw me do it. Like, I hope she saw me take the correction because um, <clears throat> there, there was moments when, you know, we go back to rehearsal the next day and people weren't there. They oh weren't, they gosh. were absolutely so, um, you know, but that's, that's, yeah, that's why she's Twyla's art. <laughs> right. And it's, it's, there's definitely um, with choreographers who, you know, ex- have very high expectations. So not only do you have to do everything that they're saying and be reading between the lines and a correction for, for someone else is also a correction for you, but you also have to, like I said, reading between the lines, you also have to get their energy and try to be matching that. So even if they're not telling you the details, you have to be diving into it so much deeper. If they're really, if they say something once and they barely, maybe they're like, yeah, just take it calmly. And you like only do 20% of that. They're like, no, what did I say? Like, you're supposed to take it calmly. Like you have to go like that extra mile to really (laughs) be inside their brain. And it's tough. You have to read the choreographer. Like, um, We at Paramount Field, we had a choreographer, Lonnie Landon, come and set a piece. And she was all about, like, I want 70%. I only want 70%. Stop giving me 100%. Like, her work works with 70%. And so it was so hard. She was setting a piece on high schoolers, but to learn that. And and I teach that at U of A. It's like, you have to learn just as much as you learn your teachers or your faculty. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, and, and I learn my students. What do my students need? You have to learn your choreographers. Like, you have to know what they're expecting. I remember booking a gig. It was like an industrial gig for Reebok and the choreographer. Um, I felt like we had a connection at the audition. He really liked me. And then we got into the rehearsal process and you guys know me. I'm super humble and just like very calm. I'll stand in the back yeah. and like, I'll show up when you need me, but I'm going to be like easy to work with. Yeah. And he was reading that easy to work with energy as lazy. And I remember like just getting yelled at about a bevel. Like my bevel wasn't good enough. I was like, Ooh, got you. I, I know your personality yes. now. I'm going to like pull up. I'm going to turn it on. It's like yeah. a hundred percent of the process. 
I relate to that so much because I always, we, Taylor and I talk about this on the podcast all the time. We never want to be the one who's like front and center and and be like, yep, I'm listening to everything you're saying. Like we don't. (laughs) So I always will happily be like in the, in the back and like making sure I like know what I'm doing. But then there's some people who they do not want that at all. They need everybody to they read all energy differently. It's definitely a balance. And it's, yeah, you don't want to border on the the line of like a kiss ass. You're like, okay, relax, sit down. You've like, I get it. You want the job. But especially, um, I think especially in a concert dance setting, I know it was kind of a crash course for me when I was at U of A of like, when we were working um, uh, on like the balancing ballets, it's like, Oh, rehearsal starts at 10, but you're here at 9.30. It's like taking the initiative. Um, and I can imagine it's even even more so that way working with like Twyla Tharp. It's like, you're always ready. You're always warm. You're kind of reading their mind, but without letting them know you're reading your mind. And <laughs> you're one step ahead without looking like you're one step ahead, you know? Being prepared without being over anxious, overzealous. Oh, yeah. I think 100%. that's my goal. That's what I strive for. I don't know. This is, this I pr- so probably, hard. I can't tell you if I'm succeeding in that, but that's always the energy that I hope to give uh, when I'm in a rehearsal space. And I know it's, it's even being behind the table too. That's kind of what I uh, respond to as well. It's like, you're here, you're ready, but um, you're not like breathing down my neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys so. are professionals. Oh my gosh. So well. <laughs> it's crazy to think that. So we, so Alex and I graduated in 2015, which feels both like yesterday and then yes. also like seven years ago, which is just blows my mind. And it's so bizarre, but um I do want to talk, Tammy, I want to touch on um, kind of some things that you observe um, as someone that's been at um, teaching on a collegiate level for the past six, seven, eight years. What's one thing or one theme, a trend that you're seeing right now that maybe you love or maybe something that you're like, "Mm, don't love that? (laughs) Trend. Oh, my God. Well, definitely. I mean, dance on film is is like taken off like crazy. Mm -hmm. Like we have students now. Um, you guys know students showing for your choreographing pieces yeah. and like trying to get it to be on the main stage. We have <laughs> students now are just creating films and like, yeah, they still want to get it on stage, but it doesn't define if it's successful, if it's on stage, you know, they're creating films for festivals and like, um, and auditioning them actually to be shown on stage. So all of that has been, um, and, and more collaborative, immersive collaborations too. Like one of my colleagues, Haley Meyer, who's no, she's she's been a part of this huge project with like science and it's called Cellarscape and it's like you know like all these schools working together to just create it's like dance and technology it's, mm-hmm. a, it's really inspiring just to see the possibilities but yeah it's definitely a new it's a learning curve of this different thing because it's it's you can't necessarily digest it the same way you would a live performance like it almost you you just have to look at it in a different way and it is a different understanding of art as well like in what we think of as traditional like oh get on stage do a performance and even then it's like we push the boundaries so much within that like you know what comes to mind is Doug Nielsen's piece where he would have different sections and then like it would change the order every night and I thought that was so innovative because I'm like it's still live performance but it's a different fresh performance every night but it's yeah. we're even beyond that this is the deeper layer of the onion of getting multimedia of getting um you know co- like like you said Tammy collaborations with different fields and different aspects of 
the um, of the university, even beyond like music or beyond like the acting department, you know, outside of fine arts, which I think is so, um, so inspiring. But yeah, also to repeat your point, Alex, it's like you have to learn how to understand and appreciate that art in a different way than what you're accustomed to. Does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> And I, I would love for a world where they both can exist. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's this, I have a fear of like, everything's only going to move to film and then that live stuff is going to go away. And I hope that it can still um, exist in the same way. And I think it does prove a great or um, provide a great way for people who maybe don't have access to like afford a live show or go to a mm. live show, then they can watch something from home for for free, which is good. So it's, it's finding that balance of, ways we can support the arts and all of that um, and making it accessible to everyone while also keeping it alive. I mean, it's definitely, definitely super difficult. There was a question I wanted to ask you. I just kind of thought of it as we were talking. Um, I know a lot of dancers, both young or older, you know, really debate going to college for their dance degree. And I feel like even when I was in college too, you know, I'd have non-dancer friends be like, why, why would you get your dance degree? And in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things about it. And I think a a comment that follows after that is like, you're so lucky that you get to dance for your job. You're so lucky you you, um, are active naturally in your life because of, you know, what you study. And to me, that's everything. And I always be like, oh, there's so much that goes along to it. If you were to really break it down, like choreography, um, uh, biomechanics, just even like spiritually how you move, there's just so much along to it. So what is your answer to that? When people ask like, why would you get a dance degree? Especially with how far deep into it you are. Yeah. Well, I a hundred percent believe in education and getting your degree. I feel like, um, you know, you grow a lot from the age 18 to 21 or 22, whatever yeah. age you guys graduate at. Um, and some students here graduate in three years. So um, that's even younger. But um, you're still developing and you're developing your choreographic voice, your artistic voice, your core, you know, developing, uh, you know, your technique, foundations, experiences. And, and what makes us a dancer, yeah, is all of our, you know, our experiences, the teachers we're with, the pieces we perform, but also like your surroundings. What are you around? What are you reading? What are you watching? Who are you spending time with? Like all those things influence us as artists to create who we are. And I I feel like um, uh, getting a degree is a safe space to make mistakes, to find who you are, to search, to change your mind. I might not be that kind of person. I might be this kind of person. And, and if you went straight to a job, at 18, you might be making those mistakes and you might be losing a job or, you know, where um, our, my job as an educator is to nurture that, to nurture that. Okay, yeah, we can get you into a ballet company. Let's get you, you need to take extra ballet. You need to take, you know, make sure you take ballet rep and take partnering. And then in the summer, you need to go to these summer programs, you know, and like mm-hmm. make connections with these ballet companies and like research what companies are realistic for you. And so, or the next year they might say, you know what, I am so over ballet. It's so hard on my body. I can't do it. And then they change their mind and they want to go into musical theater. And so that's our job as educators to nurture that. But um, I, I think a really great thing about specifically U of A is that because we are a triple track program with Ballet Modern Jazz, we can nurture that. And we um, help help them, you know, know that like this, you don't have to pick one track 
open up more windows, open up more doors, look at the possibilities that can happen for you. You know, if you just continue to be your best self in whatever direction you're going in. Yes. Safe but space. I do think, um, Safe space. Yeah. The, the education, even like when I look at dance studios, dance studio owners are really looking to hire people to have that now not 100% you know um well it's bringing a um I think we're in a a new era of dance education too where things due to Instagram social media access to information um people are kind of codifying the process you know there's always been techniques and different schools of thoughts um I know like for me personally growing up in a composition studio we had uh, some strong teachers from like different backgrounds, but like people would come and go. And then sometimes I'd be learning, you know, a different, we went from Vaganova to Chiketti to, so it, it's a little bit, it can be a little bit scatterbrained with your education. But the thing that I look back on now about college education is it's exactly what you said. It's a codified system. You have literally, your professors are also counselors in your career that can be like, hey, here's what I think you should do. Here's where mm-hmm. I think you should uh, funnel your talents into. And I also say to, to anyone out there looking or deciding between programs, look at their alumni. Look at what the people that go through the program, what kind of jobs are they looking at or are they booking? What kind of positions are they filling in for? Because um, I think that speaks volumes too um, about the the integrity of any program. But I'm, I'm fully on board with both of you guys. And I love the idea of a safe space and just like um, the only word I can think of is codifying, but I, uh, more systematic uh, formatted education. There we go. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's hard, like undergrad is not easy. Like, you know, you might not have been cast in the piece you wanted to be cast in. How do you deal with that rejection? And you have faculty here to help you, support you to learn, okay, rejection is going to be part of the process in being a professional dancer. And how do I overcome these rejections? And then when you do get it and then your best friend doesn't, how do you deal with that? Like there's, there's so many things that you can learn um, by getting your education in dance. I've never thought of it that way. That was the first time I've ever been like, oh my gosh, yeah, we had to audition and get casted for pieces in order to get a grade and order to get a certain amount of credits. Yeah. Like that's the first time that even- Among almost all head. of your friends, like at least at normal yeah. catacalls, it's strangers, but you're also auditioning against your peers and people that you live in the same building with, potentially the same room in, <laughs> you know? know? That's crazy. <laughs> that just clicked in my head. But you're like, true. we did that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we did, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. But I feel like a lot of, you know, our U of A friends, I feel like we all take rejection pretty well. I feel like it's been, you know, a loving, <laughs> loving space. And I didn't even realize, you know, it was probably from that. Reject me. <laughs> We're cool with it. Perseverance. Perseverance. I know. Resilience. And a lot of like mock auditions now too. To, yeah. Because Taylor, just like that, all of you guys know each other and you're, you're friends. And it almost is more intimidating to audition in front of people you are really close with. percent strangers so i mean even have them singing in front of each other like I now, love it. you know i just like nope i do it all you guys are gonna do this so yeah amazing I love that. it's the learning process um well tammy i want to end us on um a fun lighthearted question which is what is one of your funniest or most embarrassing or just any memory in your dance career that you look back and be just like oh my gosh i can't believe that happened <laughs> oh my gosh um a funny moment was on tour with Moving Out. Um, 
think we were in Boston. And so in the show, like there was like a, you know, a big stage uh, set with the band up top. And then the dancers were always warming up before the show on the, on the bottom of the stage, but we use the stage to warm up and you know what like warm up looks like. It's just like chaos, like people laughing, screwing around, yeah. jumping around, like whatever, talking, just sitting in the sweats. And I was a swing. So I went out front to go watch the show and somebody called curtain before it, like the house lights went out and before like it, everybody was ready in places and the curtain just rose up and you see this chaos and everybody just went running like mice, like off stage. It was hysterical. I was dying. I don't think the audience cared at all, but for me, it was hysterical just to see everybody like freak out. They were like, I love this immersive experience. We get yeah. to witness them getting ready. <laughs> I know. And then like the other things like, you know, I, in fame, I, I might've phoned in a few performances um, <laughs> and just it. forgetting to, you know, costume changes, like change your shoes, you know, or, <laughs> you know, like I had a friend that forgot to take her leg warmers off and went and did the whole first, first two numbers with leg warmers on in the show, you know, like those moments are so fun on stage and how do you deal with those? But, yep. Yeah. I love that. Someone just the wardrobe person uh, like two days ago was like, don't forget to take your leg warmers off because I've been wearing them recently. Leg warmers. They're back. You can, they're back. They're, they and work I get so it. well. I, get, I fully, <laughs> fully love them. But yeah, she was like, just so you know, um, you still have these on. And I'm like, honestly, I would have absolutely forgotten. <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, Tammy, thank you so much, so, so much for your time today, for catching up. Um, of course, Alex and I love to see you and we're so excited to share your story uh, with all of our listeners. Um, and thank you again. I know that you're a big fan of the podcast or um, always supporting us um, and um, spreading the word. So just know that that means the world to both Alex and I. So thank you. Thank you for that. But um, if, if anybody wanted to keep up with you or the School of Dance, uh, what's the best way to do that through either social media or do you have a website to drop? Yeah, um, well, always the, the U of A website. You can find me there on the website for U of A. Um, I am on social media. It's T. Dyke Compton on Instagram. Um, but then also Perry Mansfield. You can follow all the work I do in the summer with Perry Mansfield. Um, it's on Instagram as well. So, yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. We love you so much, Tammy. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for taking the time. We know you probably only had like a week before anything, uh, a week off from everything. So <laughs> if that, if that, so thank you so much for taking So we're time. grateful. Yeah. For, yeah. for sneaking you in, but, um, sure. congratulations again on uh, another amazing school year in the books and we wish you the best with your summer travels and teaching and hopefully we can all get together soon. For sure. Right. See you, Tammy. Bye-bye. 